Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Father, have your way one more time. Show up and you show off the best way that you know how. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. In Jesus' name. And we all said, give your neighbor a high five and tell him it is on today. Then you may be seated. When you read the life of Paul, and when you read a lot about him, especially towards the beginning of the life of Paul and his ministry, you will find that Paul had no problem getting into controversy. He was a very controversial man. Matter of fact, when you read when his first conversion happened, he was so crazy, they call Paul kind of a basket case, a crazy guy, because they actually had to lower him out of the city walls in a basket. He talked too much. He shared too much. Was he extreme? Yes. Was he right? Not all the time at the beginning, but nevertheless, he was a crazy guy. He would say things that people did not want to hear. He would do things that other people did not want to do. He was what you and I would call radical. He would go into cities where there was riots and create another riot. That's the kind of guy that Paul was. When people's tempers were flaring, he would preach the gospel on fire. That's the kind of guy that Paul was. Now, as you study the life of Paul, you will also see that he traveled a lot. Many of his writings, 13 letters uh, there in the New Testament, many of those are those that, uh, of places that he had visited, and he wanted to encourage that city or that group of believers through his letters. Not only did he encourage many of the believers, but he also rebuked the heavens out of some of those believers as well. In this portion of scripture here in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul sounds so eloquent and so loving towards a people in the Asia Minor province. Now, why was that so? Because he had an experience with the people and with God that changed his way of life. He had an experience that changed his perspective. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but I remember there was a movie that I wanted to see, and I was looking forward to seeing it. I was like, oh, that, 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 that looks like a, a, a pretty good movie. And I've had a lot of people, they give me different uh, viewpoints on it. And then there's a movie that before I looked at the previews, I go, ah, oh, that, that, that movie doesn't look all that good. And I remember there was one movie in particular that uh, I remember the, the previews came out, and it just wasn't that appealing to me. But I began to talk to somebody, and they convinced me. They're like, oh, no, dude, it's a great movie. Oh, you'll love it. It's awesome. I was like, really? Okay, I guess so. If, if you say it's good, I'll go check it out. So I remember going to the movies, seeing it, 
And I was just sitting there going, oh my gosh, I want my money back. I mean, the storyline was horrible. The plot was subpar. The acting, I mean, you could have got their acting out of a Cracker Jack box. I was just like, man, this is horrible. Now, when you talk to that person, it was great. It was awesome. But if you talk to me, horrible. Why? Because we had two different experiences. Experiences will change your perspective. Things that you see will change also how you live. I had to experience the movie for myself. There are some experiences that just change the way that you see things. Somebody said about experience that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. When you get the experience, it just changes the way that you see things. This past trip that I took to Asia, just like Paul, he took a trip to Asia Minor, it changed the way that I even saw things. And there were three things that I found in my experience in this trip that were very similar to the Apostle Paul's trip that we'll even find here in Ephesus. Now, these were things that I want to share with you here today. There was a lot of things, but there was three in particular that I found as I studied the life of Paul, particularly, particularly in the book of Ephesians, that I have found that were very similar to my experience. Because it's something that I had. Now, this is a message that God gave me while I was on the plane coming back. God gave me this message, and I go, man, God, how can I uh, be able to get this across with clarity and understanding, being that it's my experience and not yours? Well, in the same way that Paul had his experience and he shared it, I want to do my best to have my experience and share it with you. Are you here with me here this morning? Are you ready here this morning? It's three things that I have found that my trip to Asia showed me just like it showed Paul. Number one, my trip to Asia showed me to remember. To remember. The word remember defined in the dictionary means to retain a memory. Uh, retain a memory. Or for you and I to retain a member. It means to remember, gather together what was and to become what is. Remember. Paul said it so many times throughout his gospels that as he began to share it, he was always telling the people in Corinthian and Thessalonica, remember. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, he says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding the traditions just that I as have passed on to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. Listen, it's very important that we do not forget about our brothers and sisters who are toiling overseas. Don't forget about them. That really hit me hard when I was on the plane back and I was, as I was eating my food, my, my airplane food, my airplane food was better than the food that they ate. And as I was eating it, I was going, man, because a lot of times, you know, we complain about certain things. I don't like this. It's bland. It doesn't have the flavor. Where's tapatio? I need tapatio right now. 
I'm not going to drink it unless I have a Coke. I need this. I need that. And as I begin to sit on that plane, I go, man, I need to remember my brother, Pastor Christian. I need to remember my sister, Sister Bossy. I got to remember them. That's what Paul was even saying here. He goes, man, you got to remember. Don't forget about the ones who've come. Now, this is very important because they're in the Philippines. Those are our brothers and sisters. Don't ever forget about the ones who went out there that are toiling and through the hardships all throughout the world. Listen, it's very important for us to remember why. Because we live in a country that's very forgetful. We live in a country that's very forgetful. We forget our keys in a room. We forget where we parked our cars. We forget where we left our favorite shoes. We forget everything. Listen, it's very important. Okay, do not treat people like you treat your keys. Don't forget about them. Don't ever, ever forget about the people that are out there toiling. When you read through the life of Paul and you'll read throughout it, there's so many times that he says, hey, remember Priscilla and Aquila. They were good to me. Don't forget about them. Greet them. Remember Tychicus. Remember these men. Remember Luke. Remember. Remember. Don't forget about these guys are very important. Now, listen to those of you. There was only 11 of us that went. So for the rest of you, you're thinking, well, how can I remember? I'm trying to express it as best as I can. These are your brothers and sisters. Remember the hardships that they go through. See, you and I, we go through it when we go to the, the nail salon and she doesn't do our nails right. Oh, my gosh, I have, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad week. Remember the ones that they don't have any nails at all. These are the ones who are toiling. They're going through. You heard it earlier from Brother John. Remember the kids that have no shoes. And it was very heart-wrenching for me when you see little kids. They come, and they're running. They're not just like, you know, hey, how you doing? Like, they're running up. Hey, 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 you know, Paso, Paso, you give me, you know, like, they're, and it's like, man, it really gets you. I mean, you, for me, I, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget. Some of you, you've had experiences where you've gone maybe to Mexico or you've gone to a, another country. I was talking with somebody that even the other day. And they were talking about, oh, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Europe. I said, oh, that's great. That's good. Go to Europe. But Europe, that's a first world country. If you want an experience, go to a third world country. It'll change your life. Europe will kind of like enlighten your perspective. And that's good and that's great. You should do that. If you ever get the opportunity but if you want to change your experience what Paul did he said no I need to go down to where I'm never going to forget this never going to forget this and that's what Paul was saying here in the to the uh, to, to the uh, church in Ephesus he says man I thank God that I'm remembering you I will always remember what you have done laying down your lives in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 and 3 he said do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing uh, uh, for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison Listen, th this is a very important scripture because he's given the perspective that even if you've never been in prison, remember them. Even if you've never been to Asia, remember them. Even if you've never been to a third world country, remember them. 
Bring it together. Retain the member. That's what remember is. Retain, bring about, bring it to you as a member of your body. Some of you, you can't go out the house without your phone. I need my phone. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I got to have it. I got to have it. Where's it? Oh, my God. And you go crazy without it. Can you go crazy just like that for those who are in Asia? Can you remember them? My trip to Asia it brought that to me. And this is even something, this particular scripture uh, in Hebrews chapter 13 that it talked about remembering those in prison. I, I believe, and I, I shared this before even a couple weeks ago. I said, man, we, we got to get a prison ministry going here. We got to get this going here. It's very important. And I'm going to keep stressing it until we get it. That's the, I believe that somebody here, maybe you've never even been to prison. And so you're thinking, well, I can't do a prison ministry. I've never done it. Paul said it very clearly. He said, remember it like if you were there with them. Even like if you've never been there. Remember them. Don't forget about it. Why? Because out of sight, be transformed by the renewing of your not by the renewing of your feet, wherever your feet have gone. Not by the renewing of your hands, wherever your hands have touched. It says, no, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Keep it in there. Remember them. As I was there, I said, man, I'm going to make it a point this year that I, I cannot. I, we, we've done 13 years, pretty much. And I'll blame it on me. We've pretty much had 13 years. We kind of forgot about Bossy and Christian, to be honest. Some of you didn't even know that they were from our church. That's our fault. They're from our church. I lived with the guy. Literally, he was in my room. He was in my room, this guy. I'll never forget Christian. I'll never forget Christian because one time, uh, uh, man, this Christian is a nut. Just know that. He's a crazy guy. He came through our men's home. The men's home here? God bless all one of you. All right. And I'll never forget because, you know, I was in the home. I lived in the home, literally, in the home. And so I remember one time, I'll never forget, we had a picnic. I can't remember if it was Memorial Day or something, but it was the youth against the men's home. I'll never forget that. We were playing football, and we had this little guy on our team. He was a little dude, but he was bad. His name was Alan. I mean, just this little Smurf-like guy. And you look at him, and you're like, whatever. And then you've got Christian. He's a tall guy. You look at him, and you go, man, whoa. And I'll never forget, we were playing football, and we were going at it, going heads up. Guys were knocking each other. I think one guy broke his ankle on the first play. I mean, it was just like, you know, it's, it's funny because when you get men's home guys like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I mean, they haven't played football in like 15 years, right? In their mind, I'm 18 in your body. You're 55, you know. <laughs> and so we're out there playing, and I'll never forget this little guy, little Alan, and Big guy, Christian. Now, mind you, Christian was just new in the home, I think like six, seven months. In the home, and everybody's going, and this little dude tackles Christian. I mean, just tackle. He flung him around like, whoa. Christian falls. Now, the normal older Christian would have gotten up and went, what? But I'll never forget this. He did this every time he got tackled. He got tackled quite a bit. He was not as fast as he thought he was. And every time he got tackled, he got up and he would do this. He'd get tackled again and would go, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I'm not, and he would just like, like, bro, come back to the line. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Like that was his new way of like Christian cussing or something, you know. Because uh, if he wasn't saved, he'd be saying some other, come on, brother, you know. 
But he get, and he would get, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. Every time, I'll never forget that. And I remember asking him, I said, hey, well, you know, why do you keep saying that? He goes, because, man, if you would have heard my mouth before I got saved. He goes, I had an experience with God, and I don't want to change that. Now, he was learning in his experiences with God as far as different things, but there wasn't an encounter that he had. And he said, I, I don't ever want to forget that. And so for me, I will never forget that. And my prayer is today that you will never forget the ones who are out there in Asia, in the Philippines, in Latin America, in Mexico, in Curacao, in Chile. We have a lot of people that are out there. Listen, I know we go about our daily lives and we wake up and we go to work and we have this muffin and we eat this breakfast and we have this lunch and we have five, some of us three to five meals a day. We have all this stuff, but while you're doing it, don't ever forget about the ones who are out there. Remember, bring them to your memory. The second thing that happened, well, I was out there that was very similar to the Apostle Paul, is that my trip to Asia showed me to be thankful, to be thankful. Paul says in our opening scripture that he had not stopped giving thanks for them. Oh, what a joy it means to have a thankful heart. To have a thankful heart. Listen to me. Silent gratitude isn't much use to anyone. I'm going to say that one more time. Silent gratitude is not much use to anyone. If you are thankful, you're going to say it. If you are thankful, you're going to show it. If you're thankful, it's going to come out in who you are. Having a thankful heart. We are in a season right now that's called Thanksgiving. Listen to me, Americans. We are in a season called Thanksgiving, not thanks receiving. Are you hearing me? Far too often we get down if we do not receive what we expect somebody to give us. Listen, you, you, I, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what you have earned. Are you ready? You've earned death, hell, and the grave. That's what you've earned. All of us have been born into a sinful nature. But because of God's grace, come on somebody, because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, because of his love, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. And because of that, that alone should give you a grateful heart. And if you're thankful, you're going to say something. Let the redeemed of the Lord say something. I'm grateful. Well, if you're grateful in your heart, some of you should tell your face. I'm grateful. Listen, thankfulness is not a mouth thing. It's a heart thing. It will come out. You can't give thanks with a bitter heart. You can't give thanks with a bitter heart. See, gratitude is a heart issue, not a mouth issue. Gratitude is a heart issue, not a mouth issue. You could say the same exact words, but we can tell when you have a thankful heart. You could tell, oh, gee, thanks. I'm so grateful. Now, if you were to give somebody something and they gave you that, you'd be like, in your mind, you're like, you ain't grateful. But with somebody with a grateful heart, oh, gee, thanks. It's 
totally changes everything. Same exact words, same exact exclamation points, but within the heart, it changes. A grateful heart is what you and I should have, being thankful. We're here in a Thanksgiving season, and this is where we talk about the pilgrims and the Indians. I like what uh, H.U. Westmeyer said. He said, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts, yet no Americans have, had be, have been more impoverished than these. Nevertheless, these are the ones who set aside a day of Thanksgiving. Listen to me. The struggle ends where the gratitude begins. Some of you right now, you're going through a struggle. I can't change your situation, but you can change your attitude. I can't change your circumstances. Some of you right now, you're in a circumstance that you cannot change. However, you can change the issue of your heart. Being full, as we saw earlier within the video, I'm full, I'm full. Right away, all of us, including myself, when I saw that video, I was thinking, oh, they're full, their stomach's full. He said, no, my heart is full, full of joy full of peace, full of love. Today, are you a thankful people? Are you somebody that could say, I want to have an attitude of gratitude? Somebody once said, gratitude is an opener of locked up blessings. When you have an attitude of gratitude, it just changes everything. It changes everything. Listen to me. My socks may not match, but my feet are warm. I'm still grateful. I may not have everything that I want, but I got every one of who I want, and that is Christ. He's the one that died for me. He's the one that makes me grateful. He's the one that allows me to see things that I cannot see. When you are a grateful person, it opens up doors that would normally be closed to a bitter heart. Changes everything. Listen. I know, I've traveled the world in so many different places. I have yet to step foot on some country's soil, but I have traveled enough to know that, man, we are a very, very, very uh, rich country. We're very rich. Some of us right now, you drove here in two separate cars. Two separate cars. I mean, if I seen a car out there in San Pedro, that was a rarity because most everything is jeepneys. Jeepneys are everywhere. They jump on, they get off, and it just, it makes you grateful when you see certain things. See, some of us, we don't get grateful until we're watching TV and a 1-800 commercial comes on. And then we're like, wow, I should be grateful after eating my fifth bowl of cereal right now. We have that liberty. Go into the cupboard, eat as many bowls of cereal as you want. But when you see, it just, it does something to you when you see other people that are impoverished. That's why Paul was saying, don't forget about them. And then he says, I'm so thankful for you. So grateful for you. My heart is filled. Listen, your closet may not be filled, but make sure your closet and your heart are not the same thing. Please make sure of that. Please make sure that your heart is always filled. I, I believe that the most grateful people on the earth should be Christians. That's what I believe. The most grateful people on the earth should be Christians. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Because it's impossible to give thanks with a bitter one. It's impossible. 
in order to give thanks this holiday season, listen, I understand the, the craziness and the hectic time. Family's coming over. I got to cook. I got to do this. I got to do that. I want to challenge you this holiday season. Holiday season. Holiday season. Happy season. Holy day season. Don't get so caught up into everything else that you miss the season that it actually is, which is Thanksgiving. You know, you know what I think? This is just my own personal belief. And I think that some of us, especially here in this church, I'll include myself. I think some of us, we need to go on a 30-day complaining fast. So we complain about everything. Everything. Oh, my God. Gosh, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Even my, and trust me, I'm learning. Some of you that, have par- that are parents, that you have kids that are all grown up, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you've done it. Because my kids, when they start coming to me and start complaining, I'm like, boy. Now, I've learned, because my, my parents taught me, and there's many times, or my, you know, my son's, he's over here, Lulu's changing the channel. In my mind, I'm like, dude, you've got a TV. Be grateful you got it. So, But the thing is, listen to me. It's not going to be him that's going to learn thankfulness if I don't teach him. So there's plenty of times I'll say, hey, turn off the TV. Well, what do we do? I don't know. Play? (laughs) Do something? We live in a country that just makes sure, well, we need to occupy our minds. Well, if I'm not doing this, I got to do this. If somebody stole this, well, I'm going to obtain this. If somebody moved this over here, well, I'm going to get this. So we're always used to like, I need this, I need this, I need this. If your heart is full, there's no need for your hands to be. Some of us here today, I want to challenge you. Maybe just on your own, personal, because that's what fasting is anyway. It's a personal thing. Maybe some of you for these next 30 days, go on a 30-day complaining fast. Today, I'm not going to complain. Today, I'm going to do my best. Today, I'm going to focus on the things of God. That's, you know what the, uh, complaining actually is under the category of? It's under the category of distraction. That's all it really is because you're not able to see the big picture of what God wants to do. Some of you right now, you're in a situation that you're seeing it like an obstacle. If you see it through an attitude of gratitude, you'll see that obstacle become an opportunity. All you got to do is just change the perspective. That's all you got to do. There's many times where I've learned where I've prayed, God, take this away, and God says no. I said, God, take this away, and God says no. God, take this away, and God says no. Finally, I asked the question, saying, God, how come you're not taking it away? Because he said, remember months ago when you prayed for a prayer to be stronger? I'm putting it in your life for you to be stronger. Remember that prayer where you said you wanted peace? I'm giving you peace. See, sometimes we don't like it, so we complain about it. If we would just turn it around, change the perspective and say, okay, God, I'm thankful that sometimes my boss, he says things I don't like, but at least I got a boss. Sometimes I got my family, they get on my nerves, but at least I got some family and at least I got some nerves. Sometimes you just got to be grateful for what you've got. The third thing and the last thing that really got to me that the, my Asia trip showed me, not only did it allow me to be thankful, not only did it allow me to remember 
But also my Asia trip showed me to be close to the fire. It showed me to be close to the fire. Saving souls has got to be one of the greatest endeavors in all the world. There's nothing like receiving salvation. The greatest moment of my life is when I receive salvation, but the next best moments is seeing others receive the greatest moments of their life. Some of us here today, we got to get that fire back. We have got to get next to the fire once again. Some of us right now, if you are going through a season, which we call, especially here in America, we always call it burnout. Some of you need to flip that around and start calling it burn up. Some of you start, need to start burning up for the Lord, getting fire. Say, so, well, how do I get that? You know how to get that? Go out there and do the Great Commission. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, like seeing the Great Commission in action. Nothing. Now, uh, for those of you that know me, I've been involved in this church pretty much all my life. I've been involved with the dramas, been involved with concerts, been involved with so many different things. I've been a part of so many altar calls. This altar call that we did in the Philippines has to rank up there top three altar calls that I have ever been a part of, ever been a part of. I mean, it was just awesome and the reason why it was awesome because uh, as I was making the altar call now this is very important because some of you think well pastor you made the altar call <laughs> if you were there you would know I had nothing to do with it because I didn't even speak Tagalog I was saying some words and the guy was translating and I was like I hope he's saying the right thing because I don't know if he's saying it right I was like I'm trying my best to convey it but I don't know because believe me when you're in another country and they speak another language you don't know if they're getting it or not you're just like lost in translation. I don't know. And okay, I, I guess. And, and it was actually, to be honest, probably the shortest altar call I've ever made. Right? Pastor, it was really short because I was just like, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And you can have an opportunity to accept Christ. Are you ready? And that was it. Like, I made it really short because I didn't know if they were going to really, if they were listening. But I will never forget. All of a sudden, I said, okay, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, raise your hand. And I couldn't see. It was a real bright light, so I could only see the first few rows, and a lot of them raised their hand. And then I said, okay, put your hand down. If you want to accept Jesus, and as I'm saying it, he's translating. I said, okay, come forward. And at that very moment, I had never seen this ever before. I have done dramas where there's been 50 people. I have done dramas where there's been 500 people. I've done dramas where there's been 10,000 people. In all the years, I had never seen practically every single person come forward. And I was, I, whoa, I was just like, come on down. These kids were running up, coming Jesus, I want Jesus. I'm, I'm not making this up. About 95% of the people that were there, and there was over 600 people, 95% of the people came forward. I was, uh, uh, you know, and I've done altar calls. We've had like, you know, around 800 people, 900 people, 1,000 people. But this was the first time that I had ever seen almost every single person. The only person that were people that were probably out there were just Christians, really. Every single person. Wow. Phenomenal. Now, this is the point that I'm trying to make. As they came closer, a fire burned harder. As they came closer, a fire burned brighter. 
I said, wow. It, it just ignited that passion. Now, if you know me, I, I talk to everybody. I save as many souls as I can. But there's just something about saving souls one at a time and saving souls 600 at a time. It was phenomenal. As I began to sit there, or excuse me, stand there and see all these souls, there was a passion that came inside. It was a passion that just all of a sudden just started moving inside of me. I said, man, what is it? What is going on? This was just, I was phenomenal. It was great. It was a tremendous feeling. It's almost like that, that saying, I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, man, whenever I hear a man preach, I like to see him preach like if he's fighting bees. I was like, yeah. That's like, whoa. It was like, man, it was Awesome. It was phenomenal. All these kids, I was like, come on, let's go. Let's, and you just seen their faces. They're like, wow. It was a passion that just ignited something. Listen to me here. For those of you that say, well, I just go to church and I do my Sunday thing, then I would almost go as far to say, your passion meter probably is very low. It's almost on empty. Now, your church attendance meter may be on full, but your passion meter may be almost on empty. Because what happens is you rely on just the handshakes of the pastor. You rely on the handshakes of those that are here. And listen to me. I, I can say this with all conviction. We live in a country, and I, I know we're talking about it so much and all these different things and the media is coming in, but we live in a country where the Spirit of God is free. The Spirit of God is free. You can go anywhere you want and you can pray right now. You can go to the store and pray. People may look at you funny, but you can pray. You can go to the gas station and lift your hands while you're pumping gas and go, thank you, Jesus, for the gas. People may look at you funny, but you can do it. There are some countries you cannot lift your hands. If you lift your hands, you're going to jail. We have an opportunity for this passion to be ignited like never before. For those of you that say, man, I, I, I want to get back in there. You know what in there is? In there is saving souls. That's what in there is. Don't try to say, I'm going to get in there and just come into church and I'm going to start doing church. No, my friend, don't do church because church will give you a bitter taste and a bitter taste will give you a bitter heart. Try your best. The Bible says to taste and see that church is good. Taste and see that ministry is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I want to get back to that passion. This is what Paul was talking about. You want to get back to it? Start saving some souls. Start seeing souls saved. There's something about a passion that goes beyond the natural means. And I want to challenge you. My, my prayer is that we raise up a church that loves to come together, that loves to gather together. But more than that, we love to bring people that want to come together. We want to go out there and win souls. There's nothing like winning souls for God's honor and God's glory. Nothing like it. I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you saved a soul? The last time that you went out there and prayed for somebody and led them to the Lord. Now, if it's been a long time, then you probably might be a little bit farther away from the fire than you think. And what happens is you're relying on just that lighter fluid. When the lighter fluid comes, then I'll go up. 
But then when it's not there, then when you have a great service, then I'll go up. And then when the great service is not there, then it goes down. One thing that I've learned in pastoring and in preaching, a lot of times I'll get, Pastor, that was a great message. That was an awesome message. And then sometimes I'll get the, hey, Pastor, good job. Look, at, I understand. I'm not ignorant to the fact. I can't give you steak 100% of the time. Sometimes you got to be satisfied with some mac and cheese. It's just, that's how it is. Mac and cheese is still good, as long as it's the gospel. Now, as long as I preach the gospel, I'm okay. My heart's fine. If you like it, praise the Lord. You'll keep coming back. If you don't, go somewhere else where they give you A1 sauce. Perfectly fine with me, as long as you make it into heaven. But a lot of times, we rely on, oh, the pastor, that was a great message. Well, if you rely on the pastor's great message, you're going to actually miss the message. I'll do my best to give you a great message, but don't let my great message only fuel your passion. It can be a part. Don't get me wrong. It's a part. And as long as I'm preaching the gospel, then amen. But I want to challenge you. If you're saying, God, I don't want to lose this fire. I don't want to lose this passion. Break away from the normal church. Break away from just the, the normal happenings of my attendance and my feet going there and say, you know what? I need to go preach the gospel to somebody. I want to challenge you. What? Try this. Try this. Even if you're like, well, I don't know that much of the scripture. I don't know that much of the Bible. I told you a little bit about the life of Paul. Paul didn't know that much, all that much about the experience of Christ. He had a whole lot of head knowledge when he got his conversion, but he didn't have a whole lot of heart knowledge. He didn't have a lot of heart understanding. So when he would talk, he was just zealous. That you need to do this, you need that. He would rebuke people. He would rebuke people until finally he realized, and you'll see it here in the book of Ephesians. Man, I thank God for you. And I praise the Lord for you. Sometimes you don't always, you need to change. I know I need to change. If you're in front of me, I need to change. If you're here, I need to change. I know that. But some of us here today just say, you know what? I need to preach the gospel. Don't wait to come behind the pulpit to preach the gospel. All you need is some passion. That's it. Use the passion. Oh, but pastor, uh, just last week, you know, I, I was all messed up. I was, I, I was smoking. I was drinking. I was, that's fine. That's good. I understand it. The world has gotten to you. But all of a sudden, now you say, okay, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And he that is inside of me, there's a passion and there's a fire. And trust me, the moment that fire burns up, everything else burns out. The moment you allow Christ, God, I want you to do something. Transform my mind. Do something inside of me. I want to challenge you. Start preaching the gospel like never before. Tell your coworker. Does your coworkers know that you're saved? Does your boss know that you're saved? Does your family know that you're saved? See, this is the kind of message that sometimes you're like, well, I don't want to hear that. Tell me about the things I'm going to receive. No, if you're a thankful person, then you're a thanksgiving person. You want to give what God has given to you. You don't just always want to receive. It is a blessing to receive, but it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Give what God has given you. Don't wait and say, okay, well, when my life gets perfect and when everything comes together and when I have all the blessings that I know that God has promised me, then I'm going to give. 
man, you're going to have a hard time giving. You're going to have a difficult time giving. What you have now, give it now. Try this. Just try it. These are simple things. And I close with this as they come to the piano. Just try this. When you're at wherever you're at, at the store, I've done this plenty of times. That's why I could say this with all conviction. When you're at the store, you're at the gas station, wherever you're at, try this. Pay for somebody at the pump. Then when you do that, now this is, this is very important because all throughout the scriptures, we're just not meeting the physical needs but meeting the spiritual needs. After you pay for them, pray for them. After you pay for them, pray for them. Somebody paid a price for you so that you can pray. I want to challenge you. I just don't want to be a church where people come and, and this is something that gets to me. How many people are in your church? I don't know. I don't, it's not really a big deal to me because I want to be able to get to heaven and God looks and says, well, how many people did you lead to the Lord? Okay, well, that, that's okay. Well done, that good and faithful pastor. Well done, thy good and faithful preacher behind the pulpit. Well done, thy good and faithful person that came to church and always wore a tie. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's it. I just want to be a passionate servant. Person full of passion that serves the kingdom of God. And this Thanksgiving season, don't let it be a thanks receiving season. Oh, the food wasn't cooked right. Oh, this is not the gift I wanted. Oh, I said this much, and they only gave me this much. Look, I get it. It's kind of the way we're raised in American culture. You know, get, get what you pay for. Get what you paid for. Okay. Well, God paid for you. He wants you. He paid for you. Remember those that are out there. In Asia. Remember those that are out there in Latin America. Remember those. Because if you remember them, if you remember them, it'll change your perspective. Be thankful for what you have, not for what you don't have. Oh, I don't have, I wanted this truck, but I only got this. I wanted this color, I didn't get the color. I wanted this dress, I didn't get this. Just be thankful that you have a dress. Just be thankful that you got some shoes. Just be thankful that you can actually go, <sighs> somebody didn't get to wake up this morning. You did. And then also, be a person filled with passion. Be close to the fire. Get close to that fire. Allow God to ignite you once again. Say, Lord, show me your ways that I would know you. I want to know you and the, and the fullness thereof and the fellowship of what you've went through, your sufferings. That's going to help me in becoming that Christian of who you've called me to be. Stand with me here this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God.